0: what up h-town hey how we doing he's blank i'm Branham. it's joe george assistant to the regional manager behind the glass doing a great job on that intro it is a monday edition of the killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 and blankers yesterday was the uh it was the cj stroud game could not have asked for a better performance from a rookie quarterback and Everybody nationally saying what we've been saying for weeks about the Houston Texan rookie QB. Jeremy, if I may,
1: this is the Allen Iverson game in the career of C.J. Stroud because he became the answer. He became the answer that everybody was looking for for a franchise quarterback. Every week with every time he had to answer another critic that said he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that, he wasn't quite this yet. Well, I'm anxious to see if anybody's going to nitpick anymore because what he did was put it all on display and handle his business in a way that we have yet to see in Houston Texans history. This kid was phenomenal yesterday.
0: Yeah, he was uh, really good. Leave it to you to make a basketball reference out of it. doesn't have
1: to
0: Well, I mean, Allen Iverson's very much a basketball reference. It is, reference. but I don't always do that. No, no, I'm just saying that you did in this case. Yeah. Uh, and then, was Stroud the answer? Grade the blanker joke, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. You know, as good as that performance was, to me it was the second half. And I don't want to say legendary because it, it didn't have the stakes that's needed for it to be a legendary performance. Like legendary, you you need to do that to you know win a division title in week 18. Uh, you have to do that in order to win a playoff game, a wild card, whatever. Whatever the case may be. But whenever you do it in week nine of the NFL season, it can't be legendary. But if he had the stakes, it would have been a legendary performance. That second half, and look, the, the, the game in itself for C.J. Stroud was amazing, and we'll throw some numbers at you. 470 yards, broke the NFL rookie record, five touchdowns, unbelievable, 30 of 42. When he's throwing a lot of deep balls, too, if you're a quarterback rating kind of guy, uh, just under 148. I mean, the numbers were insane. But I look especially at that second half blankers sixteen like the game was at one point, Tampa Bay led by two possessions. Mm-hmm. But it was always a one possession game. It was always tight. Now did the Texans have to open it up? I would say yes, they were they had to because they were down by two possessions early in the in the second half, but also because it was necessary because they weren't running the ball and they haven't been able to run the ball all year. But when you looked at his first half, it was it was fine. Like his first half was okay. 14 for 22, 145 yards and a touchdown. That's that's good. Yeah. Now he missed a couple of passes to Tank early, missed the long ball to Tank. Uh, he wasn't perfect in the first half. He was nearly perfect in the second half. His second half performance, 16 for 20 when he had to throw the ball through the air too. These weren't dinks and dunks. Right. 16 for 20, 325 yards. Four touchdowns. If there's been a better half of football in my lifetime than that regular season, I understand the stakes weren't there, but if there's been a better half than 16 for 20, 325 yards, four touchdowns, you have 46 seconds for a touchdown, you do that, I'd I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a half of football that was played better than C.J. Stroud had yesterday in that second half.
1: And, you know, Jeremy, here's the thing. When you start thinking about it, he had help. And, and he had to. But he, you know what? You're doing it without your guy that was supposed to be your number one in Robert Woods. But you're doing it without, without one of your weapons. But everybody else was doing what they needed to do, extending you know yards after catch. A couple times, Dalton Schultz extending balls behind the the, the markers and getting to first downs. But you know what? They weren't going to sit back and be conservative either. We talked about it. I think this was more what I wanted to see, whether they were behind or not. And we heard DJ Biennemi say, well, you know, they're not going to abandon the run that much. But you know what? Because they were behind, they abandoned it probably more, but also because it wasn't effective. But I was counting this morning, and there were very, very few first down running plays. And on third down, when they normally would just run it to the middle of the line and accept it and punt, they were letting him go, and he was letting it go, and they were getting first downs and keeping drives extended. And it was just so fun to see that we knew what we had in C.J. Stroud as a quarterback and what he could develop into. But now the whole team's kind of developing into what they need to be around him. And that was just, you know, the, the kind of coming together where it all came to fruition for this season alone because they've been good and then they've been not so good. This one, everybody contributed so it seemed, and they got it done as a team. And it, that's what made it extra special.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, a good team win too. Like I, I see what you're saying. To to me, it was Stroud that that was, oh, yeah. that was special. Um, like his the statement that he made yesterday, and and this is I think the national you know types are always a little bit behind. Uh, you know, we see the throws that Stroud makes. I understand he didn't have like this unbelievable statistical performance against Carolina. Uh, he hasn't had a st- statistical game like this. No one has. Like, there's very few quarterbacks that have, have been able to do this. But whenever you put together this sort of box score for people that don't get to watch CJ Stroud routinely, it's oh, is CJ Stroud already. A top 10 quarterback. I saw one tweet that said, oh, should we we be talking about C.J. Stratt as a top 15 QB? I'm sitting there thinking to myself, C.J. Stratt was a top 15 QB since week four. Uh, he's been a top 10 quarterback for me since the last month, so I think that national types are always a little late whenever it comes to reacting to other players that you know we see every single game, every single throw that they make. Uh, he put himself on the map nationally. He put himself in the conversation of top 10 quarterbacks nationally, and from a Houston Texan perspective, he kept them in the playoff race. I don't know how the rest of the season's going to go. Uh, I think that they have a shot with the schedule that they have. I don't love these injuries that, that are Happening. Ridgeway tore his Achilles. Uh, how long is Pierce going to be out? You know, is the running game even going to help? Uh, how much longer is Robert Woods hurt? Jimmy Ward went down. Kaimi Fairbairn got hurt. They didn't play. Yeah. The, they played the second half without a kicker. Um, so there's a lot of injuries that are testing the depth of a team that doesn't have a lot of depth. That doesn't make me feel like terrific long-term about the team this season. Uh, But because you have C.J. Stroud, you have a chance every single time that you kick off. So that's encouraging. But what this does is it shows to everybody, not just you and I, but it shows to us locally, shows to us nationally, that the Texans have a quarterback. And when you have a quarterback, you have a chance in every game. And when you have a quarterback, you're going to go into the offseason every single year trying to add on to a team that you think has a chance to be playoff good
1: yearly well it's also because Jeremy now you know when you have a quarterback that he makes guys around him better and we've seen it happen so we know in the develop of tank that it helps when they already had developed a chemistry and they were working on their timing uh well before training camp got started to the point where you can see it coming to fruition when you talk about you know kind of rejuvenating Robert Woods or getting Dalton Schultz especially after the fumble on the first possession and then going right back to him and then going to him time and time again to where there was still a trust there and and Dalton Schultz proved that he could still be a valuable weapon to this team, but you see that when he gets guys around him he he can make them better, and they can also obviously assist him and make him the quarterback that he can be, but he can make he get he makes so many good plays. I yeah. saw Jimmy Johnson say this yesterday in terms of all of his years in football, and he said, "You know that you have a winning franchise that can do a lot of things when you have a quarterback, a coach, and a defense, yeah." And I think you got two of the three, and the third one ain't that far off because of the young players that are showing week in, week out that they can, they can create some havoc on the defensive side of
0: the football. Yeah, they have pieces. They, they don't have the depth there defensively. No. I think the defense was exposed a bit yesterday, so they have two of the three. I, I'll you know, echo what you said, and I'll give Jimmy Johnson that. It's like we talked about the other day. Do the Texans have a playoff core? Uh, if you have a top-ten quarterback and a good head coach, you have a playoff core. Now, the Texans do need to add pieces. They are still kind of in the infancy stages of, I mean, obviously they are. You're one of CJ. You're one of D'Amico. But it, it gives you a lot of hope. Going forward, 5970, Branham, it's time to jump on the bandwagon. Uh, we won't forget your lack of faith in Stroud. Joe, stay loyal, my friend, as usual. Uh, I've been on Stroud since week two. I, I, I had reservations during the whole draft buildup. I didn't love the fact that he was playing with a lot of great talent at Ohio State. Uh, aside from the Georgia game, you didn't see this version of CJ Stroud. It's hard to with as much talent as he had, but I was on Stroud pretty early at the start of the season, so I've, I've been on the bandwagon for Stroud. I've been banging on the CJ Stroud top. 10 quarterback uh, before a lot were too. So, was I a little late? I guess, but I was there since week two. Um, whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, here you are going into the 10th week of the year, and you're talking about a rookie quarterback potentially being top 10 in the league. And I think even top 10 might be a little bit of a low bar for the talent that he has.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, you let it all play out, but this isn't one of those deals where it's fool's gold or when we talked about like some of the seasons like. Deshaun and Dak have had in the past, where they lead the league in passing, it's but, but because they're getting their doors blown off every game in, and they're down double digits, and they just got to sling it all across the yard. If he's got to sling it, he can sling it. If he's got to stay within the offense, he can do that too. He makes all the throws, and, and obviously there's still room to grow. There's room to grow on the deep balls and some of the balls that he missed. But for the most part, because he's accurate, it, you know, it's such a step above so many guys that come into this league and are so used to playing in college systems where their guys get five and six yards of pad and it's easier to catch a football. He's painting it into windows. He's putting it where it needs to go, and he's making the right decisions. This kid only has one pick it, it, to this point in the season through through the, through the what, eight, eight games. When you start talking about numbers like that and, and stats like that and then only one pick, you can't help but tip your cap and say, yeah,
0: he gets it, and he's damn good. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing that where Strouds kind of checked all these boxes too, because. We we heard throughout the the season when it came to CJ Stratton, Okay, well let's let's see him do this. Like his first game against the Ravens, like it, it was what you would expect from a rookie. Mm-hmm. Like it was choppy. Like you saw a few throws, or you are like, okay, like th- this guy's got a chance to be really good. But it was very choppy, as you would expect for a rookie playing in their first ever game. No one expects a high bar for a rookie in game one. Then he had the Colts game where it's like, oh, okay, like we we see some skill here. But then you had the caveat, oh well, he did it in garbage time, even though it wasn't garbage time. Uh, they were just trailing and they threw the ball a lot then he goes on the road beats Jacksonville he beats Pittsburgh at home and it's like okay now you're starting to see all of the things start to click and you saw it really really fast with CJ Stroud and then it all came together yesterday in that second half to where he had the greatest rookie game that you've ever seen from a quarterback and that's not hyperbolic He oh. set an NFL rookie record with 470 yards and 325 of them came in the second half it and was incredible passer rating
1: too I think in terms
0: of overall rating and yards I mean
1: Like you said, you can cross all the boxes off for the season. You can cross all the boxes for a rookie quarterback and both from a Texans perspective in their history and also NFL perspective, the kid is
0: rewriting the record book in terms of the things he's doing in his first season. I called dibs on C.J. Stroud conversation, so that's proprietary to us. So I want everybody to know that. Uh, lots to get to when it comes to C.J. Stroud. Lots to get to when it comes to this team. Monday edition of the show, we hand out NFL game balls from the weekend. I believe Mondays, what did you learn from the college football weekend? And also a mailbag Monday coming up at 4.30 where you can ask the Killer Bees whatever you what? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPNs our HR and P listener line. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Joel's at Pac Man. Joel on Twitter. Joe's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Uh, the second half yesterday. To me, that's how they need to play football offensively. And I know that you're not going to produce what you produced in that second half. I'm talking about from a play calling, from a scheme perspective, what we saw in the second half is what this team needs to do going forward. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. And what you need to do going forward, hopefully you're never in a car wreck. Knock on wood, hopefully you're never in a car wreck. But keep in the back of your mind in case you ever are. You get rear-ended. You do the rear-ending. The first thing you have to do is call Hollingsworth Law Firm. They're going to take care of you, and you don't have to worry about paying them a dime because you do not pay a thing until you win. That's right. Jeremy said it right. And that's the biggest thing you need to know
1: because there's, there's just a few main points when you get in a car wreck. One, you need to have somebody on your side immediately because you feel alienated. You, you don't know which way to turn, who to call, get the police involved, get a report, whose fault, how do we find out? And then you need someone that's going to fight for you. Well, that's where the Hollingsworth Law Firm is at their best. That's why they have their website, carwrecktexas.com, because it's their specialty. That means it's not going to be one of the many things that they try to do on a daily basis. It's the best thing that they do, and they do it for you. And the other thing, as Jeremy mentioned, is you don't pay unless you win, which means they're going to be hyper-focused on making sure that you win. That means they're with you every step of the way. They're fighting the insurance companies. They're fighting against the other driver. They're
0: making sure you get what you deserve and don't get screwed over. Uh, I've been in a couple of wrecks in my life, always the other person's fault, of course. And the the biggest annoying thing is those insurance companies. Don't deal with the insurance companies. Let Hollingsworth Law Firm do that. Call for a free consultation right now, 713-999-8773, 713-999-8773. And you can visit them online at CarWreckTexas.com. That's CarWreckTexas.com. He's blank. I'm Branham. We are the killer bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. 8437. I, for one, have never had a better experience in a Texans game than I did yesterday. I also never had the chance to hear a loud NFL stadium like that until yesterday as well. Phenomenal game offensively. I do think we're going to see a lot more buzz in RG. Like, I say this all the time, sports, fans, not across the board, not just in the city, they're, they're like slow-moving ships. It takes them a while to kind of turn the tide. You're starting to see NRG get a little bit fuller. You're starting to see it get a little bit louder. But now that you have the buzz, you have a team that's 500, you have a quarterback that everybody thinks is great, uh, you're going to get a lot more positive momentum when it comes to people in their seats at NRG Stadium. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, look, we had talked about –
1: how necessary and, and meaningful it was that they started to get some positive pub that they started to get people talking positively about them again, but it's kind of just like the same formula we're talking about on the field, but off the field it just starts from you got a quarterback, you got a coach, and you got an organization now that at least wasn't so egotistical as to turn the other cheek to what everybody was telling them they were doing wrong and just decided they could do whatever they wanted to. And now, not that you have to cater to the fans, but they started to do things differently and become become a kinder, gentler, softer version of an organization, and tried to really value their fans. And with that, all, that all culminated in what we're seeing now. And now, because you're it's, it, you're seeing success on the field, it's such a positive vibe that we haven't felt about this team in the last four or five years, and, and it's refreshing, and it's fun, and it's entertaining for, for you know for the first time in a long time. You can sit down and watch a full Texans game and feel good about it.
0: Yeah, Watson had those moments, but you still had the Bill O'Brien. And if you felt about you know about Bill O'Brien the way I did, you never really fully had that right. like full faith. Like, I have more confidence in D'Amico. Maybe this is unfair, uh, but I have more confidence in D'Amico than, than I do O'Brien currently or in the past. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP Listener Line, 713-780-3776. Let's go to our HRMP Listener Line. Jerry, you're in the high. What's up, Jerry?
2: Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, first things first, you know, their job for the Texans. Uh, I, I stopped being a Texans fan the day they traded, you know, Bill O'Brien traded away Hopkins. And I finally came back around the day they drafted C.J. Stroud. I really liked Sprout coming out of college. And uh, it was a great game. I just, you know, it, it's, I, I know I don't want to live in the past, but, man, they had a great, the Texans had a great chance to be 62 if they would have just, Done this offense in Carolina and Atlanta, who are just bad teams. So I hope they can just carry this offense into Cincinnati because it's not going to be an easy chance this weekend. And I'll hang up and listen.
1: Appreciate the call, Jerry. Look, I think that everybody, when you have revisionist history, you know, there's a couple different ways to look at it because we were trying to figure out, you know, how quickly everybody was going to develop, how quickly everybody was going to settle in, from D'Amico to CJ to all the other young rookies on this team and second year players. But when you look at it, the, the good news is they weren't blown out. They didn't get their doors blown off in any of these games that they lost. The bad news is they were in a majority of the games that they lost to where you were like, yeah, you would have, could have, should have maybe had a cut one, if not two of those games, but you don't. So you just have to keep going forward realizing, hey, there's a lot of progress being made. There's a ton of positives from week to week. Are they out of it? No, not by any stretch. There's still only two games out from Jacksonville, and they have the tiebreaker currently, so They're just going to keep playing their game, you know, and and next week is obviously a tough game. But you know what? Everybody now that's playing against them is not going to take them for granted like they did for the last several years. They know they're going to be in for one hell of a a fight when they play this team. And I don't think there's going to be any game that you're going to look at and go, you know, they're going to get absolutely annihilated here or they're going to embarrass themselves. I think that they, they become a real NFL football team again. So that's why people are starting to believe more and
0: more. Yeah, I, I, I actually thought what Jerry thought of last night, too. Like, the, the Carolina game, it, it stung for a moment yesterday, like in the aftermath of the win in the aftermath of the performance after you kind of let the, the afterglow burn off a little bit. You're like, yeah. oh, man, you should have really beaten Carolina. Because now you're talking about 5-3. and three, And Jerry's right, you could, you could be 6-2 because at Carolina yeah. was a game that you should have won. At Atlanta was a game that you could have won. But on the other, the other side of that, though, you could have lost the Saints game. Yep. You probably should have lost yesterday. So I agree with Jerry that they could be 6-2, and two, but I also would argue that they could be 2-6. and six. Yeah. So they're kind of where they should be, I think.
1: Yeah, and you look at the Atlanta game, too. I think that, you know, again, D'Amico's getting comfortable and, and getting understanding his job as head coach. They could have used the timeouts a little differently down the stretch. Maybe they had some time on the clock. Maybe they could have done something even after Atlanta did what they did. But... I thought that they were in a position to win that game, and that one stung to me when it happened. But, again, I didn't expect too much of this team, and I didn't want to set too high of a bar. Of course, when they get off to the start that they got off to, everybody starts raising their expectations. They've still got a chance to make the playoffs. I still think they're going to be fighting for a spot. It's just nice to know now that as these things keep coming together, that they're going to have a fighting chance and maybe more of a chance then we we thought earlier in the season when we talk about some of those big games coming up late, it's going to be a huge test this week. This will be a really good barometer to see if they go on the road and play well at Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, I I saw Jamar Chase has a back issue. They're they're saying that that's something to monitor. Who knows what's going to happen there? Way too early in the week. I. I don't want to talk about Cincinnati yet. It's a team that's really, really rolling. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP Listener Line. Let's go back out to the HRMP Listener Line for the one and only Lamont. Lamont, you're in the hive. What's up?
2: Hey, man. Uh, uh, Jeremy and uh, uh, Joel, I'm, uh, I'm going to defend you guys, man, because, you know, everybody trying to go back and – you know, try to get receipts about what we said about C.J. Stroud. Man, we all said, we, we all had our doubts about that. Thing. And, and if we trying to uh, say anything different now, that's just a lie. We was all wrong. We was all wrong, uh, we was all wrong uh, with that. But I think, uh, well, I, I speak to myself. I'm not going to uh, uh, speak to you guys. My thing was I had a whole bunch of PTSD uh, uh, with the old, the old way the Texans did things, and I still had that, and I realized that it, 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 it was a new regime. So I, I really don't I, – I, I I think I was wrong about it. And I, could, uh, I can, you know, keep my crow, but I have another question for you guys. In the beginning of the season or probably even within, like, the last two or three weeks, I've been saying we need a, uh, uh, a dominant running back and we need a dominant uh, receiver. Okay, forget about the running back, man, because that's the that's there. But the whole receiver thing, I really like the fact that this receiving core. There's no number one receiver. There's no diva. There's no one that's going to be a uh, uh, crown for 15, 20 catches a game, uh, 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 attempts a game. I kind of like the way he. Uh, in other words, if you was to say, if you were to say right now, who's C.J. Stroud's uh, number one receiver? Who 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 do we favor? Man, he's spreading appeal a lot around to everyone right now, and I would really like that guy from Ohio State, but I'm not really sure that uh, that's a real necessary position right now, man. I'm kind of happy with this core. Of course, I would like to upgrade it, uh, you know, upgrade Robin Woods or something like that, but CJ Stroud has proved that he doesn't have a number one receiver. He's, he's going to distribute it to everyone. That's all I have, fellas, man, and... And, and, and you know, as far as people trying to, you know, pull receipts, man, that's crazy, man. Because uh, almost 99 percent of us had our doubts about C.J. Stroud, and if, if we're trying to say different, we're lying. And
1: that's all I have. Appreciate it, Lamont. No, he's absolutely right. I've said it on multiple occasions. I had, I, I had a lot of questions and doubts about C.J. Stroud coming in, and I didn't know what they had. And if that mean, you know, and to say that I thought that he was going to be this player this soon in this system with these players around him then I'd be a liar. I've said on multiple occasions, I was wrong. And and obviously, it didn't take nearly the time that I thought it was going to take to make an evaluation evaluation on him one way or the other, regardless. But I was wrong in that regard. As it relates to what Lamont said, I think the best thing about some of the things like yesterday, Mike Evans was on the other side of the football field, and he saw what kind of quarterback the Texans have. If Mike Evans wants to come home, it's going to be a lot easier for him to say it's not just a financial decision knowing that he would be coming into a situation where C.J. Stroud's the quarterback. I think you're going to get receivers that are going to want to come here, and they're going to have options. They can look at the draft. They can spend money in free agency. But the thing is, as, as kind of a spin off of what we are witnessing, you're going to have more guys that want to come here that in the past would have said Texans, maybe if I just get a big check. But otherwise... If there's another team that gives me close to the same money, I don't want to play in that situation. Now I think you do have guys that want to play here.
0: Yeah, I mean, quarterback helps. I think money, to your point, matters more, like you said, but the Texans have both. Uh, they have Stroud. They also have the money. They're going to have lots of salary cap space going forward, and they also have C.J. Stroud on a rookie deal, which is something that I hope that Nick Casario takes advantage of and is really aggressive with C.J. Stroud on that rookie deal. As far as Lamont saying, like, the receipts and all that, I mean, everybody knows where I was at with that whole thing. It's not really worth getting over again. I thought Levis, Levis to me, was the best quarterback that I watched on film. Uh, If you fast forward to where we are now, C.J. Stroud's the clear-cut, no doubt, number one rookie in this draft, period. Uh, Not just the quarterback position. Uh, You know, Jalen Carter's probably high on that list, too, but Stroud's easily because of the position. Uh, easily the number one rookie in the NFL. Um, I got there after week two just because I watched the film on Stroud, and I was like, okay, this guy's making throws that other guys aren't capable of making. You're going to see. Well, garbage time. No, Colts were playing some defense, and Stroud's making throws that other guys in the NFL can't make. Uh, I started to see that as soon as week two with Stroud. Um, it it was hard to predict this Stroud though because he he wasn't this guy in college like it was was impossible for him to be this guy in college because he didn't get pressured like this his receivers were wide open the only time we saw C.J. Stroud uh, perform to this level was the Georgia game and maybe Mm -hmm. we should have actually put more stock in that one singular game because he was beating up the Big Ten so bad with you know he was obviously very good but he also had a lot of really good people around him that it was tough to know what he was going to be like in the NFL and and that's just not. That's not only on Stroud. Like that's evaluating the quarterback position because there's dudes that are talented. Like uh, Stroud doesn't have the biggest arm in the quarterback class. I mean Anthony Richardson and Levis have bigger arms, but where does Stroud elevate over those guys? He elevates in touch. He elevates in precision. He elevates in anticipation. He elevates in reading defenses, and those things are hard to evaluate watching college film.
1: Well, they are, Jeremy. And the other thing that you and I've talked about on multiple occasions, which is a lot of things a guy takes with him at his skill sets as he brings from college into the NFL you know you there are ways you can get better you can get physically stronger you can understand the playbook better you can make better decisions but throwing with touch is such a difficult thing to to try and develop it literally is a skill that isn't as simple as just getting the right coach and going to the weight room or doing something differently with your training you either have it in a lot of cases or you don't and so The biggest skill that he had coming out of this draft, I think, was the ability to feather the ball in and put touch on footballs and put it in a small window exactly where it has to be. Some guys never develop that to the levels that you would think a a really good quarterback or a franchise quarterback has to have. He has it already, and what we saw early in the season was he put it on full display from game one. like The throws that he was making and where he was putting a football – not only were they where they had to be, and he was keeping receivers out of harm's way, but you're understanding this dude understands the game enough to where he doesn't want to hang a receiver out to dry or he wants to keep him from, and the ball from being out exposed to a defender. That's the thing that I think really stood out to me was the, how great his touch was.
0: We'll get to uh, your reaction on this seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRMP listener line. I also want to get to that uh, second point the Lamont made about the receivers because I think that these receivers need praise. And then I also wanted to get into that point where he brought up about you know Stroud's distribution. Do you do you need elite receiver to pair with CJ Stroud? Looking at it from a bigger picture, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six Killer bees ESPN ninety seven five ESPN ninety. 90- Two five. If you're looking for things on a uh, bigger picture, it's always great to have some Gentle Bin. I've been telling you for what seems like years that Gentle Bin is the best. Whether it's the vodka, the gin, the straight bourbon whiskey, or the cask-strength bourbon, it's all top shelf, and it all starts with the finest ingredients and classic, time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Bin uses a revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you'll ever taste. One of the things you'll love that's not in, not in Gentle Bin are harsh solvents. Those are nasty elements that don't belong in your spirits, and they don't in Gentle Bin. You get all the flavor, none of the burn, unparalleled smoothness with an enjoyable drinking experience. Next time you head to dinner, ask for Gentle Bin. Next time you go to your bar, ask for Gentle Bin. Look for it at the liquor store, and if you're looking for plans, head to the Gentle Bin Tasting Room in Alvin. If you're going to a Rockets game, stop by Ben's Bar inside the Toyota Center and get some Gentle Bin as well. Also, you can now head to gentlebin.com and order the spirits straight from the website. That's right, gentlebin.com. They'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. Also, gentlebin makes the perfect holiday gift for friends, family, and your best customers. We know they'll love what's not in our spirits, too. Celebrate with gentlebin this holiday season. Gentlebin, clean, smooth, and delicious. Best gift ever. Zero one seven zero says alcohol is a solvent, not a harsh solvent. That's not in general bin. Seven one uh, three seven eight zero ESPN. What Lamont talked about, like the spreading of the football from C.J. Stroud, is something that encourages me because I I want a quarterback that's not like every quarterback's wide receiver dependent, but I don't want to be in an offense where okay, we're going to target the best receiver in the NFL twenty four times. Anybody else, we're not going to even look at. I like a quarterback who distributes. I think that's why Andy Reid didn't pay Tyreek Hill and traded him. I think it's why Green Bay did it, maybe maybe to an extent, with Aaron Rodgers. I like the fact that C.J. Stroud can elevate Noah Brown. Noah Brown's never looked better in his NFL career. Uh, Dalton Schultz was good in Dallas, but did we ever think that Dalton Schultz – like somebody texted earlier, and this is a reach, that Dalton Schultz can be the next Travis Kelsey. Like that, that's a reach. Yeah. But even that somebody's texting that shows you that – CJ Stroud is elevating Dalton Schultz. Tank Dell's a rookie. He's a third. He's a third round rookie who's five foot six, and he's catching six passes for 114 yards. So I love the fact that the the Texans have a quarterback, and he's a freaking rookie. That the Texans have a quarterback that doesn't need that elite receiver to elevate his game. No, they have a rookie quarterback who elevates everybody else's game, and I love that. Yeah,
1: they and I do too. I think that to Lamont's point, though, the one thing that would intrigue me that makes it. Kind of an, I wouldn't say a mandatory, but I still think it's a, it's a position of need that they need to go get is a wide receiver one. Is because if you get a true wide receiver one, especially if you can get one out of the draft, so you're not paying them 25 to $27 million a year, some of the outlandish salaries that we're seeing like a Tyreek Hill, but then defenses are going to have to respect that wide receiver one enough to probably give a little extra attention to, and then those guys that you're talking about are have a chance to get even better more open, better opportunities to get more footballs because the defense can't focus on every one of those guys. And what you're doing is you're putting together a roster full of talented receivers that you're right. We talked about it. CJ makes better so that all these guys have to be respected. But if you have a true wide receiver one, and that's a defensive focus, whether he gets the ball or not, that's going to change everything for what might be open and what you have at your fingertips if you're CJ Stroud with the offense.
0: Yeah, I hear you, and I'm I'm all for collecting talent, but I think it's more of a luxury than a necessity. Because you say all of those things, and C.J. Stroud threw for 470 yards yesterday without a number one receiver. Like I don't think that it's a necessity. Now, would I like Mike Evans in a Houston Texans uniform? Yeah, but if Mike Evans was in a Houston Texans uniform yesterday does C.J. Stroud have a better game? Like, It's hard to think that he would have a better game. So I think that Stroud's the type of quarterback to where he's going to understand every single play what the defense is doing. He's going to understand what's going to be open. He's got such great anticipation that a lot of times he's throwing his guys open. So I'm always in favor of more talent no matter where it's at, but I wouldn't put wide receiver as one of the top priorities for this team in the offseason because of how good C.J. Stroud is. Look, I think
1: that... I, I, we, th- we see it a little differently in the fact that I still think that they're going to look to try and find that wide receiver one, draft-wise or otherwise. And I do think Mike Evans, not, not that you know, you take a game like yes- yesterday in a microcosm and go, no, I mean, it's tough to have any quarterback to say with the numbers he put up that he was going to be better. But you never know that you know, some of the balls that went incomplete, that you know, he can go up and he can high point and that he can be physical with uh, could have helped him. But I think that when you look at it to Lamont's point about having the running back that they need already, I don't think that they do. And I think that what we found out yesterday was that's an area that they're through their draft picks because I don't think that they should spend any free agency money on a running back. But I think that they need to upgrade that running back room regardless because Singletary got thrown around a lot like a rag doll yesterday. And we know that it's a tough scheme fit uh, as it looks at when you look at Pierce from time to time. And I think that they've got to figure out through the draft, if there's a guy or two that can make that running back room and that offense better,
0: yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind spending a little bit money there. Uh, honestly, at that position now, I'm not shopping at the top of the market, uh, but a veteran running back, I think, would, would go a long way for this team. I mean, lots that are going to happen between now and the off season. I don't. I don't hate drafting one and signing one. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that we learned yesterday that uh, that that uh, it's not a running back issue. You know, maybe they they're not talented there. I will concede that. But it's not a, well, Damian Pierce is not a run scheme. He's not a, he's not a scheme fit. Singletary is, and Singletary is going to be our answer. I think we learned yesterday that this team is just lousy running the football. I think it's mostly because they have an offensive line that's not good at run blocking. Right. Uh, but I also don't think that the running back room has that's, a ton of talent. That's what I was going to say. You know what?
1: As much as, and we talked about this from the, from the time that they moved Howard, was the fact that they were going to concentrate and do everything as they should to make sure that they keep their quarterback safe, first and foremost, top priority. And in doing so, we found out that they are fully capable of doing that in the pa- it, with their pass blocking to where we went from leading the league in sacks after two games to an offensive line that can hold its own in terms of protecting a quarterback. But the bottom line is, in doing all that they're doing to protect the quarterback, they also made it very clear they're not real good at blocking for any kind of running back. And, and that's something that you hope is going to change when
0: everybody gets back to their natural positions and guys that are hurt come back. 713-780-3776. Out to the HRP listener line. Travis, you're in the high with the bees. What's up, Travis?
2: Hey, gentlemen. First of all, man, that was an incredible game. Um, but like you said, 20 minutes ago, we're two or three people away from being a really, really good team. I'm a firm believer that if... Will Anderson didn't have that maroon A on his college shirt. We would have never traded those picks. And those are three monster picks. We're missing out. We're missing out on 12 from last year. Could have got a great defensive player still. Could have easily got Jordan Addison or even um, Sam Laporta. And then this year we'd have two number one draft picks, man. I, I really feel, even though I love D'Amico, he set us back a couple of years by doing that. Don't hang up on me. I want to hear it because I'm not in, no longer in my car. I want to hear what y'all have to say about that.
1: Okay, thanks for the call. Look, I think that, again, we talked about the fact that whether it's the black cloud hovering over or just the, you know, the cloud that's going to constantly be there to be discussed, we won't fully know and be able to like understand and be able to evaluate who won the trade or was it a trade worth making. It obviously looks different when the team is winning because now we're not talking about one of those top five picks that you gave away that can be so hyper-valuable. But that remains to be seen. Look, I think you have to watch the game more than once and you have to really dive in to see some of the things that we see, that the coaches see, that other teams see, that Will Anderson is a very, very good football player that's only going to get better. And he is disruptive and he is athletic and he is strong and he's physical. So I think that it would have been more difficult for me if this team was going to be what I thought they were going to be and only win a four or five games this season and then look at it and go, you get, did you give away a top five pick that maybe could have helped CJ or really could have helped this franchise more? The fact that they're winning football games makes it a lot easier to swallow no matter how you figure out who won this trade.
0: Yeah, I don't love talking about this trade after week nine. Like To me, it's a five-year trade, the way you're going to like look at it. But this is an off, like, this team is C.J. Stroud's team, right? Like, we can all agree that this team belongs to C.J. Stroud. Mm -hmm. C.J. Stroud's the promise of this team. He's the team that, he's the reason that you have hope on this team. Uh, The more the Texans win, the softer the landing spot is. We were sitting here talking about how bad the running back room is for the Houston Texans. Jameer Gibbs was the 12th pick. You know, Dalton Schultz is great. He's really he's been really really good. Sam Laporta was there at number thirty three. Uh, so those are things that I think about now. I like Will Anderson. I think Will Anderson's been good. Um, his pass rushing, he, his pass rushing has been fine. He just needs to finish. Now against the run, he's been really really good, and I still think he has tremendous amount of potential. He did get hurt yesterday, and that's worrisome. Like he did, he played one snap after the two minute warning, and then limped off the field after having a leg injury earlier in the game. And I haven't heard anybody really talk about that. So. I don't love that he got hurt. Hopefully he's okay, and there's nothing more to that. Uh, but I, I like Will Anderson, and I like his uh, his potential still. 713-780-3776. Let's go to the HRMP listener line again. Vera, you're in the high with the bees. What's up, Vera?
3: Hey, guys. I appreciate you letting me call in. Um, I think there's going to be enough CJ Stroud talk today, but I will say the one play that really stood out for me yesterday among all the other great plays was the little shoulder shimmy that he did to just uh, hold the safety back and then can the go the back end. I think it was probably late third quarter. I believe it was late third quarter. That was a great play. I mean, that's something that pro quarterbacks, I mean, more experienced, pro ball, level quarterback caliber quarterbacks do, you know, with a fake pump or, or a shoulder shimmy just to hold one of the defensive backs back. Um, the other thing that was also positive for me among uh, was, was to see that... Uh, um, Christian Harris was was in the, was making a lot more plays. I think Henry Joe Oto has taken away a lot of snaps because he's been, I guess, much more of a mobile and in coverage. But when you did need the, um, you know, when you did need a good linebacker to make good tackles against your against their opposing uh, skill players, uh, Christian Harris still, you know, counted well. Um, that said, I don't know what they still see in Titus Howard as the as the inside offensive line as the left guard. I mean, I know they want their best five players, but best five players does not mean it's the best five combination. I still think they need to move him back to, um, you know, right tackle and probably figure out uh, once, you know, Juice Club is back or, uh, you know, Josh Jones, as terrible as Josh Jones was. I mean, this guy missed at least one and a half sacks. Um, so I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on it.
1: Appreciate the call, Vera. Look, we're up against it. We're going to get into more of it. But, I mean, look, I, I think that from the standpoint, yeah, we have talked a lot about C.J. Stroud, and we know that he is doing things that a lot of veterans do. But I think that when you, you look at overall, look, I think Christian Harris was a guy that stood out to me, Jeremy. I, I saw him because, I, you know, you know how high I was in, in his rookie year when he started playing, and I expected him to take the next step. And he actually took a step back, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, and, and he wasn't getting as many snaps. And all of a sudden yesterday he was all over the field again, and he was doing the kind of things that I was expecting to see week in, week out. That was very encouraging. But I think you know when you look at overall what they're going to do, what, how they're going to add to this team, and how they're going to take it to get the next level, I think that now it, it's an encouragement that you've got the right coaching staff in place and you know that you're going to have a variety of different ways that you can enhance this team. With a defensive-minded head coach, no matter who D'Amico brings in, You've got to believe that he will target a guy that fits his system, that's going to make his system better. And then as we talked about, you, you know, if Dalton Schultz is one and done or he stays here, he's going to be a guy that's a weapon, but you need a tight end. And you know that you're going to look at the, the, the offensive line differently when they're healthy because Titus Howard was signed to be your right tackle. But right now, out of a position of need with no one really else to choose from, you have to do what you have to do just to survive, and that's what they've been doing. Because I don't think you or I or anybody else would have said, Oh yeah, I, I don't think they would have given up many sacks since they gave up the, the eleven in the first two weeks, and they would have been able to rectify
0: that problem that quickly. And they've been able to survive. Yeah, the um, I think I'm with Vera here, and I, I've been the I, I've advocated for Titus at left guard after the injuries and the you know you're going to have to play Dieter there after the Josh Jones thing, but but he's been bad at left guard, like bad, uh, and you paid him all the money, which it wasn't something that we loved at the time. I do think that you need to move them back out to right tackle and figure out something else at left guard and plus I think this team needs to be more pass oriented than run oriented so what is your best offensive line look at look like from a pass blocking perspective? To me it's Titus at right tackle so I agree with you there. The linebackers were, were interesting yesterday because Toa Toa has been playing a lot. Mm-hmm. He was the one that played the least. Uh, you look at the snap count, Cashman played more than anybody else uh, Christian Harris was up there and Perryman was up there so look, I think Toa Toa was like in the 20s in terms of percentages of, of how much he was on the field, but he was on the field whenever he gave up that touchdown to Otten that gave Tampa the lead with 46 seconds left to play. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HR&P listener line. We'll get to that. the Texans offensively in the second half, uh, how they need to play offensively in the second half they need to do that going forward all year long i'll get your thoughts to 713-780-3776 killer bees espn 97.5 and espn two five. look it's the season it's the season basketball season is here in fact today is day one of the college basketball season so you're probably going to be in the mood here soon if you aren't already to shoot some hoops you might have a kid who's playing high school ball aau ball middle school whatever uh, and they want to shoot some hoops if you want to shoot hoops you have kids that want to shoot hoops you Need a goal from Pro Duck. They make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find. Tempered glass backboard. Breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware. It's height adjustable too, anywhere from five feet to ten feet. In case you want to throw down some jams, you have a real little one that that needs to lower the goal so you can get the basketball to the rim. Uh, five feet to ten feet is the range, and they have the best goals you'll you'll find. Unlike anything you'll see in a big box store, their accessories are next level too. LED light kits for night play, which you might need now more than ever because it gets dark super early now after we change the clocks. But LED light kits, look, you work, we get it. Your kids go to school we get it the only time you have to play is with is at night well you can do that with these led light kits backstop nets too so you don't have to waste your energy chasing after the basketball pole pad lettering and lots lots more you can order everything including professional installation online yes the pros at pro dunk will professionally install your goal at the perfect height perfectly straight you're not good with a drill you're not good with a hammer you don't have to worry about it you just worry about these pros getting to your house and they'll do all the work you don't install let the pros do it for you give them a call right now to 281-351-9822, and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. That's some uh, that's some astute observations you have there, Spence. 713-780-ESPN. He's blank. I'm Branham. Uh, a lot's been talked about. Is this a run-first team? Is this a pass-first team? To me, it's a Stroud-first team. C.J. Stroud's by far your best offensive player. As this offense goes, is or how C.J. Stroud goes is how this offense goes. We've talked about ratios of – You know, what do you want to see in terms of pass and rush? Do you want to see 40 throws to 20 runs, 35 throws to 25 runs? The the, the split yesterday was 42 throws to 17. And, look, game script's going to influence that. If the Texans are up by two touchdowns, they're going to obviously run the ball a little bit more. The way that I look at it going forward, though, the way that Slowick opened up the the offense yesterday, Blankers, Mm I think that the Texans have to do that going forward. And I know you have a defensive-minded head coach. You have a, a philosophy within this staff that thinks, you know, let's run the ball really, really well. Keep the offense off on the field, defense off the field. Go play good defense whenever we have to. All of that. When you have a quarterback like this and you have the personnel that you have, I mean, receivers look good, running backs don't, offensive line pass blocks well, they don't run block well, to me you just got to put the ball in C.J. Stroud's hands. And it's not saying throw it 50 times a game, but everything that you need to do against every opponent the rest of the way is to know in your mind we're not run first, we're not pass first, we're C.J. Stroud first and foremost.
1: I think it's, it's as simple as prosper first, right, instead of run first, pass first. Prosper first. If you know there's a matchup that, that's, that has against a team that has a lot of difficulty stopping the run and Pierce is healthy and you've got the opportunity to do some things to where you can still run the football consistently, especially if it's effective early, then you do so. But to the point you're making and the point that we've made previous to this is... You go with your strength. You go with the way you're able to move the football. You go with where you've been successful until someone proves they can stop it, and that's with CJ in the passing game. And, and as much as when, you were, when we had uh, DJ in the studio and we were all talking about it and you guys were, were you know breaking down, should he throw it 40 times or not, I, wasn't, I, I get it that you need balance and everything like that, but I wasn't even going to poo-poo on that because of the fact that it was so stagnant and so tough to watch how they were force-feeding a run that wasn't effective. When their passing game was so, I love seeing this team just open up and be you know be what who they're supposed to be when they're at full strength and they're successful, which is a passing first team because they do it better than a lot of teams in this league, and they're scoring points and moving the football doing so.
0: Yeah, I mean, Stroud's your best player. You 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 do what you got to do from an offensive play calling perspective to put the ball in the hands of your best player. Like the Carolina game, I think was. I mean, I, I like Bobby Slowick. I think Bobby Slowick drew up a lot of really good stuff yesterday. Like, Tampa Bay knew you were throwing in that game. They knew you were throwing in the second half. They knew it. They knew it. They were talking about it, too, that uh, the, the biggest compliment you can give to a quarterback is when you don't blitz. You didn't see much blitzing yesterday in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, because Todd Bowles knows that C.J. Stroud was picking him apart when he blitzed. Tampa knew they were throwing it, and what did C.J. Stroud when? what did he do when Tampa knew he was throwing it? They went 16 for 20 for 325 yards through the air when they knew they were throwing it. And the run game looked much better in the second half, too, because now you have a defense that's like, okay, well, they're going to throw it 20 times in the second half. Now running lanes open up. So that's the strength of the team. Like, that's currently the strength of the Houston Texans, and a large part of that is because you do have C.J. Stroud as your quarterback, and C.J. Stroud's really stinking good. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely correct. And I think that
1: when you look at it, too, when when you saw the conversations even with Bowles, with Stroud after the game, there was a ton of respect there. And that's from a guy that's one of the best defensive play callers in this league over the past, say, five to seven years minimum. And the fact that he wasn't able to do one of the, a lot of the things that has been his signature to do with exotic blitz packages and guys coming from different areas just is another testament to the respect that he has for this young quarterback. And so... That's why you have to play to your strengths too, because they didn't run it, you know, almost every first down this game. They did change things up, but to your point on Slowick, and I, I, I agree with you totally in the Carolina game. Just the same way that we said we expected growing pains and a stinker here or there from CJ and from D'Amico, it also falls right into play that you would expect that from Slowick too, because this is his first time play, play calling and and, and and in this OC position, and he's bound to make some mistakes too. So. You kind of just, you know, you understand that you put a Band-Aid on it, you you go move past it, but those things were bound to happen in his first year calling plays and scheming, but he obviously corrects his mistakes pretty quickly because he schemed differently this week. And the way that they were able to pl- call the plays they played and effectively move the football was fantastic.
0: I really, I wanted to see this last week, and I don't want to criticize them too much. I, I thought that you should, I thought they should have been here a game earlier. It took them a game and a half too late, I think. But yeah, credit to them for not continuing to do that. Uh, I, I suppose, and I, I get where they're coming from. Like, you have a rookie quarterback, you feel like you have to be able to establish the run game. I get it. It's just your strengths. Th- like, I'm a keep it simple, stupid kind of guy. Your strength is throwing the ball. So you throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, 2 6 five, zero. from what I've heard. If the trade didn't happen, we would have drafted Anderson at 2 and passed on Stroud. So the trade for all intents and purposes was for Stroud. I hate this take because you look at the timeline, you look at the order of events. What happened? The Houston Texans took C.J. Stroud at number 2. Nick Casario told us there was 90 seconds left before they made the trade that were still left on the clock for number three. They then took Will Anderson at three. If all of a sudden Arizona was like, you know what, we're not feeling it. We have a better offer. What happens? You don't trade up for three, and you still have C.J. Stroud. I cannot stand the logic and the argument. If the trade didn't happen, we would have drafted Anderson at two. Because look at the timeline. Look at the order of events. That's not an accurate take. No,
1: and whether you, know, you believe that the McNairs actually said this is the year you get a quarterback or not. I don't
0: believe that, actually.
1: And I, I, I have a hard time believing, no matter what they were trying to do and get more involved, I have a hard time believing that, that Hannah and Cal McNair would have gone into a room with all the guys that have done all the research and done all the work and told them who to draft like Dan Snyder would or Jerry Jones would. I just I don't believe that to, that to be the case. Now, did, did they share some opinions? They have every right to. They own the damn team. But at the end of the day, this is who they hired to do, their jo- to do the jobs that they were hired to do. I can't see them doing that, and especially because this was D'Amico's first year and because this was such a hyper-important draft for him, for the franchise, and even for Casario. I can't see that happening. But, yeah, I mean, look, you can, you can nitpick all you want about the trade, but you know, did they, did they do things that they were going to do otherwise? We'll never know, and maybe someday someone will tell us. But at the end of the day, this was a quarterback draft for them. And I think that they were hell-bent on going to get a quarterback. Yeah, it was out there. Could they take Will Anderson and then you know see sure. what happens, plan for a quarterback next year? They could have. I just didn't see it happen.
0: But they also, they also risk not getting Anderson by, by drafting Stroud at two. The moment you draft Stroud at two, even if you're pretty confident you can make the trade, you're still risking the possibility of not getting Anderson. Like the order of events matters here. The fact that you drafted Stroud two matters the The fact that you yeah. trade you traded for three after picking it two matters. There was ninety seconds left on the clock that matters uh, as far as the ownership thing, I know that 's a big rumor. I listened to the Bobby Slowick. he was on with Adam Schefter last week. Bobby Slowick goes pretty deep into the evaluation process of c J Stroud and how much like what they liked about him. things that he did whenever they visited that made them fall in love with him. Like I've always been on the fence with the ownership thing, uh, wanting a quarterback. Whenever I heard Slowick talking to Schefter about like how they landed on C.J. Stroud, I don't at all, at all, one iota, at all believe that ownership impacted who was picked. It too.
1: Well, and I hope they didn't. I really do because I hope that that's the way the. And we've talked about this. If you you don't know what you don't know, so don't get involved and do what a lot of dumb owners have done, which have set a franchise back. So I would hope that to be the case, and that's the way you want this franchise to be run. And so that would make me feel even better because the one thing, we can both, you know, both be accurate in what we said because I think that we all were, were under the impression, one way or another, they were taking a quarterback with their first draft pick. And, and like you said, and the mm-hmm. timeline, I think, were, I, I think that they were hell-bent on taking either Bryce Young or taking C.J. Stroud, but they were going to take a quarterback this year. And you're right, the timeline plays that such that if you're taking CJ Stroud, whether you got Will Anderson or not, you knew who you were taking
0: first. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Let's give some game balls out. Who deserves some game balls from around week nine of the NFL season? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six if you have some game. Balls.